Welcome to our podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Alice. Let's get started, shall we? Thomas Malthus, born in 1766, was an English scholar and famous economist towards the end of the 18th century. Due to the Industrial Revolution and increase in demand for workforce, Malthus feared a vastly increasing population would outgrow state resources, resulting in mass poverty. Malthus popularised the logic-based approach to regulating a fast-growing population, introducing positive and preventative checks. A preventative check was taken to assess an individual's financial situation before starting a family. The check would also alleviate dependency on the state, which Malthus advocated against. Positive checks were taken in the absence of a preventative checks, indirectly regulated the population using natural circumstances or events. Poverty, sickness and death were used to regulate the population by keeping the surplus down. Malthus argued population checks were necessary to regulate the population growth, but also to reduce human suffering and to ultimately determine happiness. However, Malthus approached regulation without considering social and human factors through a scientific method, which was ultimately damaging and ironically promoted further suffering. The old poor laws from 1601 alleviated impoverished suffering through financial aid from the church. Malthus wanted to eradicate the poor laws, which was said to encourage dependency on state and compromise the regulation of population, influencing the new poor laws of 1834 and changing financial relief for the poor. All of Malthus's solutions surrounding welfare and the treatment of the poor were based purely on logic and reason, instead of sentimental values. As we will hear from Amy, we can see these similarities and approaches, granted for different topics, between Kant and Malthus. Immanuel Kant was a Prussian philosopher born in 1724 to an artisan family in the small East Prussian town of Konigsberg. He was incredibly gifted intellectually even as a child. Funded by the family's priest, he was accepted to university at 16 where he spent most of his adolescent and adult life. He was appointed a chair in the metaphysics department at 46 and published a major philosophical work every year for a decade and a half from 1781. His most notable work was a series of critiques critique of pure reason, critique of practical reason, and critique of the power of judgment. The former two outlining his key methodologies for philosophical thought, and the latter focusing on bringing aesthetics and teleology under his previously mentioned methodologies. He also addressed the question, what is enlightenment? Short but highly illuminating, he puts forward the case that enlightenment thinking is to use one's intelligence without guidance from another. His concepts have influenced higher education, politics, history and literature, encouraging society and all of its facets to sapere ord, or dare to know. Malthus was often mistaken as a secularist because of his focus on logic. Cromarchi emphasises Malthus's utilitarian and theological approach to regulating the population and economy, <clears throat> with emphasis on happiness and a consideration of God, opposing traditional 18th century attitudes of economists intertwined with modernity. Malthus focused on the natural relationship between population growth and food subsistence. His theory on regulating the population through lack of state intervention and individual autonomy became increasingly ambiguous and less scientifically systematic. Malthus became increasingly romantic and self-reflexive. His policies increasingly bound up with the question of the effect of his text on the population and legislators. <coughs> Robert describes the obsession of the effect of his 1798 essay on the population problem on legislators and the general population. 
Malthus places regularity responsibility in the hands of the general population, theorising the replacement of the poor laws, using subjectivity as a systematic structure. To abolish the poor laws for individual autonomy would be to structurally dismantle a system increasingly reformed by logic and scientific objectivity. Malthus's approach was not inherently bounded in logic and reason, but a moral pursuit for happiness. In the absence of economic infrastructure to support the population, Malthus Malthus's approach was <laughs> Malthus's approach was subjectively intertwined in the pursuit of general happiness, based on this unscientific faith of the autonomy of the population. Malthus theorised his solution to the population problem, attaching modern logic to his own Stoic beliefs, partly regressing from modernity. Kant defined enlightenment as man's emergence from his self-imposed immaturity. Immaturity here being the inability to use one's understanding without guidance from another. To put it simply, Kant believed critical and independent thinking was integral to becoming enlightened. He was determined to see people build the courage to use their own understanding instead of relying on the beliefs and opinions of parents, politicians or religious leaders. To reach this, he wrote that reason and logic should take precedence over experience or religion. Reason and its uses were the key to progress and knowledge, however Kant saw that it could also damage the structure of society if used without regulations. To prevent this from happening, Kant prescribes two ways to engage with reason. First, we have the public use of reason, when a scholar states a philosophical idea grounded in practical reason, i.e. not religion or experience, he must do so to the whole literary world. This would then open dialogues into deeper philosophical thought, therefore furthering the intentions of enlightenment. Kant argued that the public use of one's reason must always be free. Anyone may participate, any thought may be expressed, and the world will be better for it. The second use is more contained. It is used to prevent anarchy within the social and political structures we have in place for our society to function properly. The private use of reason. It is used solely when a person is entrusted with responsibilities of civic servitude or involved in affairs conducted in the interest of a community, for example, a pastor, politician or governor. Kant uses the example of a superior officer instructing a subordinate to do something. The subordinate misuses his reason and argues about the utility of the order. This illustrates the importance of differentiation between the two uses of reason. If public reason was used in place of private, it could lead to public unrest and even anarchy. Though practical reason is integral to enlightenment, it still must be used in its correct place and time. How does, um, how does Flaubert relate to Kant and the enlightenment and modernity? Mm. Um, what, is, uh, what role does he play in the, in a, the enlightenment? Well, it's really interesting, actually. He was... Um, so he wasn't actually thought of as an Enlightenment writer. He was actually very critical of the Enlightenment movement. Um, but funnily enough, his life reflects a lot of Enlightenment-era themes and ideas. And so according to Kant, obviously, he was sending incredibly salacious letters um, to mistresses and sleeping with courtesans and even sleeping with an Egyptian bath boy, um, which was an experiment to be repeated, which was a quote from one of his uh, letters. Yeah. So, but it's funny that he, he disagreed with um, 
the Enlightenment movement as a whole. He wholeheartedly saw it as uh, a negative thing. I think he said, uh, Stephen uh, B. Smith quotes him as saying, um, Flaubert believed uh, the Enlightenment was an age of ugliness, shallowness and stupidity. Um, but I saw that and thought that was particularly hypocritical because you can look at some of the circumstances of his life and see that as very shallow and stupid. So, for example, George Sand, another of his correspondents, publishes a book called Elle et lui, she and he, uh, an account of her affair with a chap called de Musset. And obviously it's not a very pretty account of Musset because Musset's brother, Paul, then responds with his own, lui and elle, he and she. And so there's a sort of conflict going on with books. So each person writes and publishes a book to get back at the other one and to me that just screams of immaturity and shallowness and stupidity exactly what Flaubert claims to hate about the enlightenment period yeah. it jumps from the extreme of incredibly enlightened or incredibly enlightenment themes sort of a similarity between Kant and um, Malthus is that they both fear a sort of deprivation of something because of the enlightenment like Malthus, he feared the population would outgrow the food supply mm. and he also feared dependency and... I mean, was Flaubert, Flaubert concerned with morality? Was no, I, I guess that's why he's different from Malthus, I think. Yeah, Malthus, Malthus and Dickens, they both... They were very concerned with the moral reality, right? Yeah. But Flaubert wasn't particularly interested in that. He was more... I think he was more experientially driven. Mm. I think that's quite well reflected in his in his books yeah i mean although he like he rejected the bourgeois he also contributed to the enlightenment truly as a figure mm. like, regardless of his actual um beliefs Belief. yeah <laughs> you're right like, his, his his whole existence was an enlightenment existence and yet yeah he disagreed with enlightenment as a concept but in terms of literature mm. i think uh flaubert was very critical of, enli of Enlightenment and the bourgeois. Mm. Um, and you can see that really through um, Madame Bovary. I don't know, it's a futile existence of a woman called Emma. Um, Emma begins two adulterous affairs, one with Rudolf Boulanger and the second with Leon Dupuis. She has expensive tastes and soon finds herself in debt far beyond her husband's meagre ability to pay. Desperate, she commits suicide by swallowing arsenic. End of story. And that's uh, Stephen... Uh, B. Smith's summary of Madame Bovary and you can see in that story that he has such resentment for the bourgeois and for their attitudes to money and to status and yeah. to, like they, they disregard their children because they want to be rich and to have things and that to him is, the, is a caricature of the bourgeois um, and so it's a real criticism and to an extent that is an enlightenment thought because the, the, com the consensus around him at the time was that that the bourgeois was good. Yeah, I think the thing that Flaubert and Dickens have in common mm. is, I think, the rejection of the middle class mm. and the reje rejection of just classes, class in general. It's interesting that those sentiments carry, like the, the resentment of the middle class carries from one period of time or from one country even to another. Like yeah. Flaubert was in France. and Yeah, I think it also, also just sort of almost proves it sort of existentially kind of proves the sort of vacuous nature of the bourgeoisie you can see um, that through the resentment 
yeah. in both of their literature. Yeah, definitely. Dickens is so resentful of the people that dismiss the lower class, which is obviously going to be the middle class. And Flaubert dismisses literally everyone in his text. In Sentimental Education, there's a, a character. He was protesting uh, the price of bread mm. and was taken to prison. And everyone was sort of walking with him to protest alongside, but they all eventually fell away. And all that was left was the protagonist, Frederick, and his friend, Delorier. Um, and they just sit with the with this chap who's lower class, who's not really intelligent, and offer him a pack of, of cigarettes. The whole That whole scene is so critical of the lower class for abandoning their, their comrade, and of the higher class for not really doing anything to help this chap in prison, but hand him a couple of cigarettes. That's a, it's, it's clear that Flaubert is so resentful of the middle class for mm. their indifference to the lower class and the lower class is indifference to themselves.